Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Story time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was stationed at McGuire Air Force Base for a while, and in 2013, a friend and I were leaving the dorms to walk over to the dining facility. It's about a two-minute walk, and since we worked mornings, it was around 5.30. As soon as we hit the pavement of the parking lot, we heard the laughter of a little girl. Despite not seeing anyone, we just looked at each other, attributing it to the wind, or maybe a deer. Fast forward a month, I'm in my car at night time, 
and the light on my phone is reflecting off the driver's side window. I thought I saw someone standing outside the car, but upon looking, there was no one there. I chalked it up to me scrolling on Facebook. After a few more minutes of scrolling, I got out, and to my surprise, there's a little girl standing in front of the dumpster with a white dress and a whitish hat. She laughed and ran around the dumpster. Now I was slightly scared because the laugh was the same one I had heard a month prior. But I was also concerned, thinking there were a few families that lived on base, and maybe this girl was a dependent, around 8 years old. It was cold, so I looked behind the dumpster where I thought she was hiding, but no one was there. I circled the area twice, and then my other friend came out, asking what I was doing. I shared the story with her, and she helped me look in one of the abandoned buildings right next to ours. I thought there was no way this little girl could be fast enough to run into the building by the time I got behind the dumpster. However, after an extensive search, we found nothing. A ghostly encounter with the mysterious girl remains unexplained. The next story wasn't mine, but it happened to a friend of mine who was previously stationed in Guam. He mentioned being on the second floor of a three-story building, and his neighbors upstairs would consistently run around at night. Assuming they were on opposite shifts, he decided to leave a note on their door, kindly asking them to stop. However, the noise persisted. The following night, he resorted to hitting the ceiling with a broom and knocking on their door. There was no answer, but he could hear them running inside. Frustrated, he called the landlord, who happened to be drunk at a party. The landlord, after being picked up, was briefed on the situation during the drive back. However, to their surprise, the landlord claimed not to rent out to anybody. Upon returning to the apartment, they heard the running again on the way up the stairs. Suspecting someone squatting or illegally renting the space, the landlord angrily opened the door, ready to confront the supposed trespassers. Much to their bewilderment, no one was there. They checked every room, closet, cabinet, and even the ceiling. Security forces were called, but they found nothing. Ghosts. The last story isn't mine either, but it involves someone I was deployed with in Kuwait. During a shift change, our captain briefed us, advising to challenge anyone who seemed out of place. A few days later, a fellow soldier stood up and reported seeing someone near the NCO's sleeping buildings. He didn't recognize the uniform and approached the individual, but the person disappeared into the fog, eluding him. He emphasized that it wasn't anyone whose uniform he had worked with during his time there, considering we collaborated with several other countries. Strikingly, the description of the uniform closely matched what the Air Force wore during the Gulf War. Naturally, the collective conclusion was leaning towards the supernatural, perhaps encountering a ghost once again. The biting Arctic wind cut through the layers of my gear as our helicopter descended onto the desolate ice-covered landscape. The frigid air stung my face, a stark contrast to the warmth of the briefing room, where Commander Anderson had informed us of our mission. A group of Navy SEALs, led by me, Anthony, an occasional camper, were sent to investigate the mysterious disappearance of scientists at a U.S. research facility in the Arctic. 
As we touched down on the snowy ground, the bleak expanse of the Arctic greeted us. The research facility loomed in the distance, a solitary outpost against the icy backdrop. Our team disembarked, each member adjusting their gear, prepared for the unknown that awaited us. Approaching the facility, an eerie silence hung in the air. The only sound was the crunching of our boots on the frozen ground. The metallic scent of blood reached my nostrils, and my heart quickened. We cautiously entered the facility, finding it eerily silent and devoid of life. Signs of struggle were evident, with overturned furniture and shattered glass. A weak moan drew our attention to a corner of the room. There, we found a man, battered and bruised, close to death. His raspy breaths barely formed words as he croaked out a chilling tale. The scientists had been attacked by creatures in the snow, enormous beings resembling a snowy version of Bigfoot. Before we could glean more information, the man succumbed to his injuries. Determined to uncover the truth, we ventured into the nearby woods, where the tracks of the mysterious creatures led. The towering pines loomed overhead, their branches weighed down by the heavy snow. Following the massive footprints, our breath visible in the cold air, we felt a sense of unease creeping over us. The tracks led us deeper into the forest, but at some point, they disappeared, swallowed by the relentless snow. We retraced our steps, frustration mounting, and returned to the abandoned facility. The atmosphere grew tense as the shadows of the forest seemed to close in around us. Suddenly, the tranquility shattered as a menacing growl echoed through the trees. Massive, shadowy figures emerged, the creatures we had only heard about until now. Their fur blended seamlessly with the snow, and their glowing, predatory eyes locked onto us. Panic set in as the creatures lunged forward, teeth bared. A fierce battle erupted between our SEAL team and the formidable creatures. Gunfire rang out in the icy air, mixing with the ferocious roars of the creatures. Chaos ensued as we fought tooth and nail to survive, using every ounce of training to combat the relentless onslaught. After what felt like an eternity, we managed to regroup and retreat, calling for backup as we fled the treacherous woods. The creatures pursued us, their howls echoing in the Arctic night. Backup arrived just in time, and together we repelled the creatures, forcing them back into the shadows. As we caught our breath, I relayed the harrowing encounter to Commander Anderson. Skepticism furrowed his brow, dismissing our account as a result of stress and fatigue. However, the haunted eyes of my team spoke volumes, we had faced something inexplicable in the Arctic wilderness, a chilling menace that defied explanation. I wasn't there, but my son, son-in-law, and their friend saw a dogman. My son called me all freaked out that they had seen a Bigfoot because he knows I believe in Bigfoots. Now, my son always made fun of me for believing in Bigfoots. He asked me, Dad, can Bigfoots run on all fours? I said, yes. Why do you ask? And he said, Dad, we just saw one while out spotlighting rabbits. I asked him to describe what it looked like, and he said they were hunting rabbits with a spotlight and he saw something hunched over. He said he then yelled to the others, and let them know that he had seen something. 
and then started to shine his light on it. At first, he thought it was a large bird because it was down like it was eating something. Then, it stood up on its hind legs and spread its arms out wide, and when other two came to look at it, it dropped down and took off faster than anything they had ever seen before. He said it had a dog snout and was covered in fur, but you could see it was very muscular. My son is six foot two, and he felt it stood as tall or taller than him. When it took off, they ran after it and watched it jump and clear a huge rock pile in one leap, like nothing. That scared them, and they all ran back to their car to get out of there. I spoke to all three, and they all had the same story and described it the same way. I told my son that's not a Bigfoot because Bigfoots don't have dog snouts. I told him, you saw a dogman. It's funny that this happened around a lot of cornfields. The area also had caves and was covered in sagebrush. A girl was on the first floor of my barracks where the female rooms were located and she encountered a spirit or something in the form of an old African-American woman. The entity revealed its name and instructed her to deliver a message to, let's say, Corrine Brown note, not the actual name of the person, just a placeholder. The only person with that name happened to be the platoon sergeant on charge of quarters CQ duty that night. Immediately after the encounter, she approached the sergeant and described, in uncanny detail, her grandmother's complexion, name, and the message. While she didn't disclose the exact content of the message, she mentioned that it was highly personal, and the NCO burst into tears after hearing about this encounter. The night before I'm not claiming these events are related, but it's worth noting, some interesting individuals decided to conduct a sort of satanic ceremony, complete with a pentagram on the floor and the like. They invited me to join, but I declined. Although not particularly religious, I consider myself spiritual, and I couldn't see any benefit in participating. Besides, what if these demonic entities actually exist? That's a risk I'm not willing to take. After that ceremony, an eerie feeling pervaded the halls, and it all seemed too coincidental to dismiss lightly. When I was stationed in South Korea in 2008, I have a very clear memory of waking up to someone in my barracks room. I sat up straight in bed, and there was a ROK Republic of Korea soldier bending over near my fridge. I remember clearly that he was a ROK soldier, not a KATUSA, which are Korean army embeds that work with us forces. At the time, Katasis war modified to see us, but he was wearing the green BDU-like pattern of regular ROK soldiers. He was young too, maybe 20. I took a sharp intake of breath of surprise, which caused him to stand straight up and stare at me. I remember he looked just as surprised and confused as I was. Then he was gone. I had a hell of a time going back to sleep. Side note, I am female, so thinking someone was in my room was terrifying enough, let alone a ghost visitor. Last winter, right after the first snow, my mother and I were driving home from Kerdaline. To reach my house, 
you have to cross the train tracks twice. After the second crossing is our neighbor's place, adorned with all sorts of eccentric signs about giants in the woods, government cover-ups, and the hoodoo legend of the Howler. While we are members of the BFRO, we always assumed these people were referring to Sasquatch. Little did we know that we might encounter something like Dogman. It was around 22, with clear visibility, as we passed the peculiar house. To my right, there's a bullpine tree line, and to the left, a hillside, with my property situated on top of the hill. My brights were on, and as I scanned the tree line, about 12 feet up, I spotted two red reflected eyes surrounded by a black mass with shoulders, no neck, and pronounced ears. The shock led me to ditch the car, not paying attention to the road. We were high-centered for about five minutes. Stepping out to lock my hubs, an overwhelming feeling of being watched rushed over me, hastening my task. Even when I got back in the car, the eerie feeling persisted. I quickly got out of the ditch, and sped up the hill to the house. My mom questioned my unease, which she later understood. Around midnight, mom was jolted awake by the most guttural howling imaginable. She yelled through the house if I was awake, and I had already been listening to the sounds that we still hear occasionally. Later, I sought information from Mr. Bizvik, who runs Dogman Encounters on the East Coast. Armed with an AR-15, a 45 revolver, and A380, I tracked through the snow to the location I had seen the eyes. Surprisingly, there were no tracks in the snow. However, when I looked up the tree, around 13-15 feet up, there were claw marks dug into the tree, and a trail of claw marks led from tree to tree. The trail ended, giving way to a new one with the largest dog prints I've ever seen, stepping over large brush piles and bushes. What lay ahead was even more disturbing a deer carcass with no head, no hindquarters, and no vital organs. The neck bone was crumbled and shattered, both legs broken with no bite marks, and the ribs separated in a pattern indicating hyperextension. The snow showed signs of a scuffle, but coyotes usually leave the breast meat and back straps untouched. Moreover, I found a deer leg wedged in the fork of a thin pine about 12 feet off the ground, a height that couldn't support a bobcat. Since then, I've never ventured into the woods behind my house unarmed. My neighbors now perceive me as the eccentric one, dressing in full combat gear when setting trail cams. I may seem strange, but there's something in my woods that has the rancher across the street, believing a grizzly attacked his cows in November. Every neighbor hears the howls, and my landlord, when asked about his experiences, turned pale as a ghost. While I haven't had a sighting since, an ice ball was thrown at my car and there are no kids in this neighborhood. I saw a dogman walking along the Greenbelt in Boys, Idaho. And to be more specific, the area would be Garden City. The actual location on the Greenbelt would be the area of the Greenbelt that is just on the other side of Veterans Parkway Bridge. For those not familiar with the area, the Boys River flows through downtown Boys and Garden City. The Greenbelt is a walking or biking pathway that is paved that goes right next to the river. It was 3.15 a.m. in February 2008, and I was scraping the ice off of my car window. 
I had to be to work at 4 am. I realized that it was eerily quiet. I looked up, and I saw it walking along the greenbelt going towards the Veterans Parkway Bridge. The bridge goes over the Boys River, and the greenbelt pathway goes under the bridge. It was tall, I would guess over 7 feet. It turned its head and looked at me, it had green neon colored glowing eyes. I said out loud, oh my god. It turned its head back and continued walking along the green belt. It was walking slowly, I was frozen with fear and didn't move until I saw it vanish behind the building that is next to the Veterans Parkway Bridge. I assumed that it continued along the green belt under the bridge. It had dark brown fur all over its body. Pointed ears, long snout, weird legs, a tail. I got a pretty good look at it. That section of the greenbelt is at the end of a dead-end street, and has a couple of business there with parking lots that are all lit up with street lights. I only saw it that one time. A friend and I were camping with my German Shepherd. We pitched a small backpacker's tent behind a large log. Around 11-12 o'clock, we noticed my dog whimpering very quietly. At that moment, we heard the sound of something crashing through the brush and trees just on the other side of the log. Despite being a very aggressive dog, it proceeded to try to crawl inside my sleeping bag. Next, we heard a whooping vocalization, which neither my friend nor I had ever heard before. After 10-15 seconds, our visitor took off at a run. As it ran, it made the very distinct sound of something running on two legs. I would like to add that even though I was only 20 when this happened, I was an experienced hunter and outdoor enthusiast. I am 46 now, and in 26 years of camping and hunting since the incident related above, I have never again heard that sound we experienced that night. My two cousins and I were the only people up there. They were swimming in the river, and I was sitting there when, all of a sudden, there was a horrible smell. I got a really scary feeling, and I could feel the hair on my arms stand on end. I turned around and saw, standing next to a tree, a huge, hairy man looking at me. He had a kind of bullet-shaped head, and massive, thick shoulders and chest. Though I wanted to call my cousins over to see him, I was scared to death to move. He turned and walked back into the trees. I waited a few minutes, then ran down to the falls to get my cousins. When we got back to the picnic table, we walked to where he was standing, and the grass was smashed down like a trail leading into the trees. They wanted to try and find him, but I said no way, and we got in our car and left. I made eye contact with, hairy man. I could smell him and had the feeling of being watched, the hair on my arms and neck went straight up. I have never been that scared in my life. I looked around to see if I could see anything and standing in front of me about 30 feet away, was what I'd describe as a very hairy man about 7 feet tall. He was standing next to a pine tree swaying and just looking at me. Then he turned and walked away to the woods. While driving toward town from the wilderness area, 
I witnessed what I thought at the time was a large six to seven foot bear walking quickly out of the wooded area, crossing the road about 60 feet ahead, going toward the creek, which was also heavily wooded. I am a city boy and did not realize bears do not walk upright on two feet as Yogi does. Looking back I have to wonder what that creature was. In a Co. 258, there's a haunted day for the trainees. One night, I was on fire watch, and I witnessed someone in full BDS walking out from between the bunks and heading into the bathroom. Finding it odd that someone would be in full uniform in the middle of the night, I became even more perplexed when they didn't return after a few minutes. Curiosity getting the better of me, I walked down to see who it was, only to find no one there. I dismissed it as sleep deprivation and continued with my shift. Fast forward four years, and I make friends with a fellow veteran. It turns out we had both gone to the exact same basic training unit, separated by about eight years. As we reminisced about basic training, he brought up the topic of the ghost. Puzzled, I thought about it and initially said no. However, he proceeded to describe the exact scenario I had witnessed. Chills ran down my spine as I realized that I had indeed seen the ghost. Apparently, his platoon had been alerted to its presence by their drill sergeant. A few years before he arrived, a trainee had tragically committed S in that very bathroom. It was early June of 2016 in Broome County, New York, and three friends, Jamie, Dan, and an unnamed witness, decided to go camping in a local forested area. Apparently, they did not know if they were technically allowed to do this, but there are a lot of fire pits in the area, so they did it anyway. They set up their tent, got their fire going, and just sat there talking. All of a sudden, the woods became completely silent. You couldn't even hear crickets, and it apparently felt like there was a lightning storm because static electricity could be felt in the air. The hairs on the back of the unnamed witness neck stood up. According to Jamie, the air was humming. Immediately after this, there was a deep bass noise and a light flashed up in the distance and illuminated the whole forest. It looked like when a real big firework explodes for the first few seconds, but it lasted for about a minute before it split up into three or four other lights and shot back down into the trees. We could see the lights glowing out in the woods, and then there was a big gust of wind, and it was gone. Everything smelled like it had just rained, but it never did. The witnesses didn't know what to do but decided that it was likely just a meteor, and so went back to talking amongst themselves. At about two, they decided to go to sleep. The unnamed witness and Jamie slept in a tent, but Dan decided to sleep by the fire. Roughly an hour later, the witnesses are woken up by Dan shaking them, and saying that there was something big watching the camp. The creature was about 50 feet away from the fire according to Dan, and he apparently thought that it might have been a bear, but it was standing on two legs and bobbing backwards and forwards as if trying to get a better look at him. While Dan was talking to the witnesses about this, all three of them heard a loud scream that apparently sounded like a pig being slaughtered, but was deeper and made the witnesses' ears ring. 
Apparently, three or four more creatures came running towards the campsite, as the embers from the fire kicked up and landed on the tent. The upright canines kept running up to the tent, and then promptly ran back into the woods. Every once in a while one of them would scream again, and pull on one of the tent poles, dragging the whole tent a foot or two. By now the whole tent was collapsing on one side, and the witnesses were screaming as loud as they could. Suddenly everything went quiet again, and the witnesses ran towards their truck as fast as they could, and hit the gas. When they were just about to leave, they saw one of the upright canines illuminated in the road by the truck headlights. At this point, the witnesses attempted to gun it, and drive the vehicle straight past the creature. But it then straightened up and puffed up its chest. The witness estimates that the creature was around 8 feet tall, and had dark gray all over its body except for the front, where the hair was white or yellow. The face looked like that of a dog, but not really. Apparently, the witness knows what Bigfoot looks like, and this was different. The upright canine didn't even move when the witnesses drove at it, and they had to swerve the truck around it to avoid running it over. They drove back down the mountain, parked the truck in a gas company parking lot, and considered telling the local police, but were discouraged because they didn't know if they were camping somewhere that they shouldn't have been. In the morning, after the witnesses had sobered up, they drove back to the campsite to find that their property had vanished, including the tent and the cooler. I had a really weird experience about three months ago, while driving home. I had to move my mom from Minneapolis to Madison, Wisconsin, and I was driving home on one of my trips, moving her stuff alone. It was about 1 AM, and I was in the middle of nowhere. I wasn't in a town or anything, and I was really tired because I had been driving all day and all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I distinctly saw a person running out of the woods straight towards the side of my car. I was going about 65, and I thought okay, I've been driving too long, and now I'm seeing things. All of a sudden smack into the side of my car. I was terrified. It was pitch black out there, there was no traffic. There's nobody around, and there's nothing near me. I was just in the middle of nowhere. This came out of the woods. It ran into the side of my car. My car was dented. It hit me so hard. Out of the corner of my eye, I was really tired so I don't know what it was I saw, but I could have sworn it was on two legs, and it was probably about six feet tall or taller. In the corner of my eye what I thought I saw was a man wearing a gray sweatshirt and a hood. Art asked if she stopped her car I was too scared. I was in the middle of nowhere. I didn't understand why someone would come out of the woods and run straight into my car, when there's no traffic or anything. If they needed to cross the street, why would they wait until there was car coming? So I thought, I should call the police. Then I thought, what did I just see? What was that? What do I say to the police, that somebody darted out of the woods and ran into my car? So I drove home. I was probably about 30 or 40 minutes away, and I was shaking, I was scared. I don't know what had just happened to me. I got out to see if there was damage to my car. I thought about calling the police, and I decided it had to be an animal, because there was nothing around there. 
So the next day I looked in the papers, and I looked through everything to see if there were any dead bodies in the road, because that would have made the news, and there wasn't nothing. So I don't know if it was an animal or what it was. Another thing that was terrifying was that it was running very fast very fast. That's why I thought it couldn't have been a person. I knew not to stop. I was going about 65. No blood. No hair. I checked for blood because I thought maybe I hit somebody. No blood but you can see the dent. It's on the driver's side of the car, that's where it smacked into me. You can definitely see the dent, but it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. You can see it, but it wasn't like serious damage to the car or anything. This happened 7 months ago, and since I haven't received any answers from anyone, I'll share it here and see what others think. I had just returned from my walk around 7pm. The sun was setting, and with an overcast sky, it was a bit darker than usual. For a little background, I live in Phoenix, Arizona one of those houses situated away from the main city, right by a mountain preserve. It's essentially connected to it, creating a very cool, but unsettling area, especially at night which is where I go on my walks. About 15 minutes away from my house, right in front of me, I encountered this strange looking creature about 10 feet away. It seemed to be floating, completely motionless, making it hard to discern its exact appearance. Below is a link to a drawing I made to depict what it looked like with glowing red eyes, one snapped horn, another full horn on its head, long black demonic arms with sharp-looking claws, and wearing a dark, tattered cloak. I stared at it for about two whole seconds before it vanished, almost like fog. Then, it appeared again further down my walk, about five or six minutes later, even farther than before almost as if it was watching me from a distance. I was listening to my playlist at the time, and suddenly, a loud I mean loud horrible, high-pitched, blood-curdling scream blasted through my headphones in the middle of the song, and the creature vanished. It was the loudest scream I've ever heard, probably intensified because it was directly into my ears, but still, it made me drop to my knees. After that, it seemed to vanish. I didn't see it again, but the rest of the way home, I could feel a presence as well as a sense of being watched. I've had encounters with other creatures out here, but this one was probably one of the most terrifying I've experienced. I've shared this before, but people seem to get a kick out of it. Not much of a horror story, but my most interesting Craigslist sale was selling a 70s Buick for $1E500. I had a few calls, but no one super interested. Then I had a kid, maybe 21, call, and he really wanted the car. I told him $1E500, but I was willing to talk about it. He said, okay, I'll see you at 7pm at this parking lot. I get there at 6.50, and he never shows. 7.30, I call but no answer, and I go home. At 9.45 that night he calls me actually apologizing for not showing and asks if I can meet there now. Sure, I just want to get rid of this car leaking oil in my driveway. I get there at 10, and he still isn't there. 
I get ready to leave at 10.15, and he rolls up in a Caprice Classic with giant rims on it. The driver gets out, two really skanky looking girls get out of the back, and the kid buying the car gets out of the front. He opens the car, pops the hood, starts it. Checks it all out. He takes it on a quick drive, while I am standing with the two skanky girls and the driver. He comes back, hops out of the car and waves me to the car. Kid. I really want this man, this is awesome. Me. Okay well, I would like $1,500, but what are you wanting to pay? Kid. I was only able to scrape together $1 in 300, but I've got a good deal for you. Give it to me for $1 in 250, and you can F her, pointing to the skanky brunette. Or let's do this for $1 1000, and you can have them both. Me. I turn and look at the girls, my guess is they are 16 and look like they do it right here in the parking lot. Yay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'll just take the $1D300, and you can get the car. Kid. What? You don't think they'd be good? F man, that pussy is tight enough to rip your dick off. $1D250, and you can have the blonde. Me. No, thanks though. They do look like they'd be a good F, but I'll have to pass. Kid. Alright man, you don't know what you're missing. I'll give you a two-day window, if you want either of them just give me a call, you can refund $50 or $300, and we can work it out. Me. Enjoy the car and thanks for the two days. He actually gave me $1300 in cash and $155 of it was in ones. But I did not call him back to get the girls, my wife would have probably frowned on that. Right so I've got a story. I've lived in Florida most of my life until October 2020 when I moved to upstate South Carolina. Lived with my grandparents in the mountains around Salem for a little while before moving to an outer suburb of Greenville. The backyard of my house in Greenville had a downward slope and a creek at the bottom, then a upward slope on the other side leading to another set of houses. The creek led into a large patch of woods one more house down past mine, a good 50-ish acres. Not long after moving in I went and explored the creek, and found a small shard of pottery half buried in the ground, it was dark greenish, and had a few basic floral designs on it. I brought it inside cause I was planning to contact the nearby university to ask if it had any significance, but I never actually got around to doing it. One day shortly after that, sitting on my back porch around noon, I start hearing whistles, like some guy was calling his dog or something. But it was the exact same tone and melody every single time. It never changed. I looked around and didn't see anyone, 
but I could pinpoint where the sound was coming from. It was coming from the patch of woods down the creek. The first couple times I heard it, then slowly moved out of the woods and into the backyard of the house behind mine. Again, I didn't see anyone, and it was still the same whistle, almost like it was a recording on repeat. This happened every couple days for a few weeks. Always the same exact whistle, and no one else to be seen but me. I didn't think anything of it at the time until I moved again late last year to Spartanburg County. Obviously I won't say exactly where I am, but I'm in the northern part in a very rural area, plenty of woods around along with plenty of coyotes and other wildlife. I hadn't heard the whistle in a long, while well, probably about a year. Couple weeks ago I was sitting outside my house about 9 pm doing a bonfire. I heard a pack of coyotes go nuts around a quarter mile away, which isn't unusual so I didn't think anything of it. After a couple minutes they went completely silent, and I didn't hear any other wildlife, not even crickets, then out of nowhere I hear the same exact whistle again. It was coming from a ditch next to the road in front of my house about 30 yards from where I was sitting. I froze and sat there listening as I knew that this time something was up. Why am I hearing the same exact whistle as I've heard in the backyard of a pervious house over an hour's drive away? I waited another few minutes and heard it one more time then silence. Another few minutes pass, then the usual wildlife and crickets started going again. The rest of the night I felt watched, and now every time I go out at night I feel the same way. I don't know if it's a walker for sure considering all I've got are a few identical whistles, but it's definitely not normal. Whatever it might be there's no doubt it followed me from Greenville over an hour away. I tried ruling it out by saying it's birds, but the timing is just way too irregular. Surely I'd hear it more often right. Instead of a few times last summer, and then not at all until the middle of September a year later. Looking for answers on what it might be and what to do about it, if anything. As far as the pottery shard, it was left in a closet at the previous house in Greenville, which has now been rented out to another tenant. Any other questions feel free to ask. I agreed to meet with this guy once to buy an Atari Jaguar I'm a collector. I get to his house at the agreed time, and there's no one there. I send him an email while hanging out in my car, and he says he had to get groceries, but will be back in a few minutes. I decide to sit on the hood of my car and wait. His neighbors walk outside and yell to me. Hey man, you waiting on Jamal for games or drugs? Oh Jay just games. At this point, I kinda wanted to book it out of there. But he pulled up to the house right as I fumbled with my keys. In all, the guy was a little creepy, and was a complete dick to his daughter. His wife seemed nice enough though. Got the Atari, and got the heck out of there. Hey folks, for years now, I've been retelling a childhood experience to various friends to see if anyone has dealt with something similar. When I was probably 10 or 11, I was playing in a lower pasture on 80 acres of family land situated in the Santa Cruz Mountains in California with a friend and my little brother both were around 7 or 8 at the time. 
I remember vividly seeing a man standing just inside the woodline with the head of a stag. Dark, rough fur stopped at the collarbone. And it had an enormous rack that resembled somewhat the way tree roots look when they're blown over and pulled out of the ground. Its chest was white-skinned, muscular but athletic, and it had what I remember looking like stripes painted on it in a dark color. Not stripes like a prison uniform, but occasional long marks running down an arm or from front to back. I don't remember exactly what its legs looked like either covered in the same dark fur or wearing dark pants. Normally, I'd chalk it up to childhood fantasy, but my little brother and his friends swear they saw it too. Any similar experiences? It seemed more neutral in temperament than aggressive, so I'm reluctant to really label it a skinwalker. I've also had folks compare it to Cernunno's. I saw an old Pioneer integrated amp. I liked bundled with a couple other items that the guy wanted to trade for a laptop. I emailed, asking what he'd take in cash for it. He said make an offer, so I offered $100. Apparently that insulted him, and we exchanged a few more angry emails, ending with me telling him something. When you get a shit laptop with a jizz-stained keyboard, you'll wish you took my $100. To be fair, he was being a dick first. The next day he has just the amp up for $150. Why didn't he just tell me he wanted $150? The thing is, I still wanted it, so I just made a new email and went up to meet him. I was naturally a little nervous, but he wasn't a bad guy really. He had a lot of vintage audio equipment that he was trying to sell, and was getting jerked around a lot. I love the amp though, it was a great purchase. A few years ago, my mom and I were driving home at around 3 am. We turned onto my street, and as I was looking out the window, I saw the back of this super tall, lanky, whitish-gray, hairless figure walking in between two houses and about to go behind them. I still remember seeing its spine because it was hunched over and so, so skinny. I was really freaked out, but I figured I might have been seeing things since it was so late. I stayed quiet, and my mom kept driving. A second passed, and then my mom turned to me and said, What the heck was that? My heart instantly dropped to my stomach. She saw it too. She said that when we turned onto the block, her high beams hit it. Its eyes glared like an animal's when the light hit it, and it had big, sharpish teeth and grimaced like it was angry at us, then turned and walked away. She described the same body as me and the same manner of walking, mentioning that it turned from us and walked back behind the houses. We were so terrified. We literally didn't know what we saw. She also mentioned that when she was driving to get me, she saw a bunch of deer on the way to the bus stop. But on her way back, when we saw the thing, she saw no deer whatsoever. I live in a pretty suburban part of New Jersey, but I do have woods around. My mom and I are still terrified by it, and I've never seen my mom scared of something like that, especially since she's seen its face. Does anyone have any idea what I saw?
My parents gave away an old couch for free to a woman who lived on the fourth floor of an apartment building. She took it from them on one condition she didn't want to carry it up the stairs, so she told my parents that she would pay them to bring it up for her. Being both a bit strapped for money and just generally nice people, they agreed. They bring up the couch while the woman watched, and when they asked for their payment, she asked them, do you like roosters? Instead of giving them money, she handed them probably the creepiest carved wooden rooster I've ever seen. This thing looks like the abyss gazing back at you. Then, she ran back inside. The whole situation was so ridiculous that they weren't even particularly pissed, and it's still in our house 13 years later. My mom and I go on avid bike rides literally every night we hang out. Not too long ago, last weekend, she had an encounter. She was riding her bike with her headphones and down a very dark and open area of the trail when she saw movement and heard what sounded like a loud yell. No people camp in that area due to the shrubs being practically non-existent, and the trees are dead as well. She described it to me as the most she's ever feared for her life. Now, this weekend, we were coming back from our nightly ride, and I started getting a gut-wrenching feeling while passing a certain place on the trail. I could genuinely feel something watching us. All the hair on my body stood up, and it just told me to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible, while she tried to take her sweet time until she saw eyes in the distance. Naturally, I looked at the tree line just to be cautious, and with me having the brightest light, I got the best look at it. I can't even describe what I saw. All I knew was to get out of there at that moment. I love vintage and antique furniture, so when I moved into my first apartment, I didn't have much money so used Craigslist or Gumtree a lot. I found this amazing vintage wooden trunk advertised and arranged to pick it up. On the phone the seller sounded like a normal, elderly lady, but I went with a friend to help carry it into my car. Turn up at her house and and things appear quite normal, she's in her 60s and quite middle class and appears quite respectable. She shows me the trunk and we agree on a price, and then offers to show me other furniture she has for sale in another room. I agree so me and my friend walk into the room, and it's crazy, it's a treasure trove of bizarre junk. There are taxidermied animals everywhere, like stuffed kittens wearing outfits in these little globes, just general weird shit. The lady then explains that she's selling it all for an older gentleman who doesn't know how to use the internet, explains that she has been widowed for 20 years, and how he is her new friend and then goes into extremely graphic detail on their sex life together. My friend and I just politely nod during her rambling, and she starts to describe the orgies she has had since retirement and her preference on X-toys and asks if we would like to see them. At this point I just kind of picked up the trunk and ran out of there. All I could think on the way home is that it must have been some sort of hidden camera prank, or she really was some sort of sex-crazed older lady. I'm not sure if this is a skinwalker or a spirit. I live in Southern California. About a week ago, I was staying at my boyfriend's house. 
He lives with his mom and stepdad, but they were gone on vacation, and we were watching their three dogs. The first night went fine. The dogs slept soundly in the master bedroom, while we were down the hall in my boyfriend's bedroom. On the second night, we crawled into bed around 9 to watch a movie, but the dogs were restless, barking and growling in the kitchen. I had to get up multiple times to tell them to stop and go to bed. At 10.30 p.m., as I was about to fall asleep, I received a call from my sister, who drove out to the desert Ocotillo to camp with her boyfriend. She was panicking. She mentioned hearing some kind of cackling, almost like laughter, but not entirely human sounding, followed by a very deep, almost fake sounding howl. It resembled hyena laughter, but deeper. There are no hyenas in San Diego County, and she was sure it wasn't a coyote. They estimated it was within 200 feet from them. Both of them got so freaked out that they packed their things and got in the truck. Driving away, they saw nothing, no other campsites, no people, and no coyotes. I calmed her down on the phone, and they moved to a different area closer to a ranger station and other people. I thought about a skinwalker because I had read posts about them before, but I didn't want to put that idea in her head at that moment. I ended up going back to sleep. About two hours later, I woke up to one of the dogs whining and scratching at our bedroom door. As I got out of bed, I heard what sounded like a car alarm, a horn going off. Looking out the window, I realized it wasn't our cars. I opened the door to let the dog in, and the sound got louder, coming from somewhere in the house. My boyfriend and I walked down the hallway and saw all the dogs standing outside the master bedroom. We walked inside and realized it was his mom's alarm clock going off at 12.33 am. We were trying to figure out how to turn it off, but none of the buttons were working. We pressed every single one until my boyfriend finally unplugged it, and it shut off. I found it creepy that the alarm would just go off out of nowhere. My boyfriend thought maybe his mom accidentally set the alarm clock before she left, and didn't realize it was for him instead of PM. I thought about it for a second, but then realized that this is the type of alarm clock you usually set the night before, and we had been there by ourselves for two nights already, and it hadn't gone off. If his mom had set it, it would have done so the previous night, not two days later. He brushed it off as a glitch, and we went back to bed. We told the dogs to go to bed, but they were still standing outside the door. None of them wanted to come in and lay on their beds. We went back to our room, and they all followed us, laying down on the floor. I told my boyfriend how I was freaked out about the dogs being antsy, getting that call from my sister, and then the alarm clock going off. The dogs followed us back into his bedroom, instead of going back to sleep on their beds in the master. He said it was weird but fine, which didn't make me feel any better. The only thing that kept going through my mind, was that there was something in the house. I could feel it. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. The next morning, I called my sister, and told her what happened. She said she had the same feeling all night, that something was near them, and she could feel it. She believed that something was messing with her, and because she told me about it, it came and messed with me too. I also believed that something was luring us out of the room with the alarm clock, and the dogs knew. 
That's why they followed us back into the room, and stayed with us the rest of the night. I don't know if it was a skinwalker for sure, but we were both in an area that has multiple Native American reservations close by. Whatever it was, it was trying to scare us, and it worked. Back in the winter of 1974 in January, I lived in Northern Maryland near the Pennsylvania border Mason-Dixon line. I was 18 and my wife was then 17. She belonged to our school's biology club, which was then something brand new. The club and the teacher went on the trip for the weekend to Muddy Creek, but came home a day early. They were visibly in shock and barely talking, including the teacher. They told us they had been canoeing downstream when they heard roaring from the bank. When they looked up, they saw a huge hairy man who began throwing boulders and logs at them, almost swamping the canoes. They paddled like hell and eventually got out of range and were hysterical when they came home. All of them gave the same story and one girl, a friend of ours, had started the weekend with brown hair, but it changed to gray hair, it was not dyed. At the time, the British Museum had a standing offer of one million pounds sterling for the body of a Sasquatch. I was poor, from a broken home, and saw dollar signs in my head. So, I loaded my 35 caliber Marlin with 180 Winchester silver tips and headed north to the creek. I hiked about a mile in the woods and began looking for signs along the riverbed and sandbars. It was about 15 degrees F that day, and the sand was frozen hard. Almost right away I found a bare footprint pressed into the frozen sand about 2 inches deep. It was 18 inches long, and about 5 to 6 inches wide with 5 toes and looked human. I hiked up the rocks in the hillside with my head on a swivel, and one in the chamber with the hammer back and the safety on. I found a rock perch and settled down to wait for my money to arrive. After a few minutes, the feeling that something was watching me got pretty strong, but I disregarded it thinking that I was just paranoid. I sat there freezing for hours but the feeling never stopped. By late afternoon it dawned on me that I had not heard any wood sounds all day. No birds, no squirrel chatter, nothing but the water down below. I finally hiked back to my truck and drove home, promising myself that there would be other days. The further that I got from the hillside the better I felt. I went back several times afterward, but never felt that same weird feeling again. In 2015, I was driving back from an ex-partner's house at about 11pm, in rural Lancashire in the north of England. It was late November from what I remember so it was a clear night with a big bright moon and very cold out for England at least. To get to my home, you have to cut off the motorway and take a slightly rural route up a wooded road. It's not a large or dense wood, you can probably walk from one end to the other in 15-20 minutes, it's roughly a 5 minute drive through the trees. As I was driving along, the road twisted and turned as it always had the hundreds of other times I had used it. So I had to drive very slowly about 20 kph in case a car came around a bend too fast. There's always accidents there. And so I was raising and dipping my headlights and full beam as you do. As I turned a corner, 
about 30 feet in front of my car, was a large, scrawny gray figure. At first, I thought it was a large branch that had fallen from the tree. So I crept toward it, and put on my full being. When I got within about 10 feet of it, the creature or whatever it was moved as though it was doing a press-up, pushing itself up with its arms, and my headlights caught its eyes which glowed like a cat do when you shine a light at them at night. I stopped the car, half expecting it to just be a deer, and ran out of the way, but the creature didn't move, it just stayed stationary, staring at me, giving me a good 10-15 seconds to look at it. It then slowly stood up on two legs, still looking at me in the car. It was big, the top of my car probably only reached the lower rib cage region, so I'd estimate it was probably 9-10 feet tall. It was pale gray, hairless and gaunt. I could see its rib cage and spine. It had long bony arms, probably each about 4 feet long, and large claw-like hands. The closest comparative description I could give is the gray, bony werewolf in the third Harry Potter movie. Once I had taken all this in and realized the situation, I began to panic, putting my car in reverse, but the creature then just turned and walked calmly, and silently, off into the woods next to the road. It did not run, it didn't seem scared or intimidated, it almost seemed disinterested. I didn't hang about to investigate the area, I went straight home and locked the door. I spoke to all my friends, and all but one of them thought I was joking. But she seemed to take it very, very seriously, having had a similar experience in a similar area a few years ago. She said it was a bad omen, and after doing some research, I can understand why. As I said, I don't really believe in anything, and I've never seen anything before. I travel that road at least once or twice a week, and have never seen anything since. Does anyone have any idea what it could have been? We don't have large animals over here in the UK, the biggest we get in my area are badgers and small and medium-sized deer. Certainly, not that size, and surely deer would startle in the headlights and run. When I was 17, it was a really hard time as my family members all had different awful experiences clustered at once, and I cried myself to sleep one night. I woke up in the dark to see the silhouette of my mum sitting on the end of my bed in the pitch black. I've obviously flipped out. Was she playing and turned the lamp on? She was visibly upset and shaking and said, I thought you were dead, not, I dreamt, or anything. And I was freaked out, told her I was fine, and sent her back to bed. The next morning when I woke up and went to the bathroom, there were what can only be described as bloody hoof prints. We have no pets, they weren't footprints, and no one was on their period in my house. It couldn't have been a stray animal because there was no way of it getting in, and I checked CCTV, we only have exterior though, and nothing. They were literal cloven hoof prints, and they started on my bathroom tile facing the mirror. They then go out of the bathroom onto the hall carpet, and there are only two other doors on that floor on the same left side. The bloody prints go directly towards the far door of my bedroom like they knew I was there. The prints stop facing my door. My floor is laminate, and there was no blood or any print whatsoever within my room. I can only say that whatever negative energy I was putting out that night was like an antenna, 
and something thought it would be able to feast on me. But clearly, God or Jesus Christ or my angels protected me, and for that, it genuinely brings tears to my eyes. I'm a Christian Catholic, but the truth of their corruption is so profound it's only by the devil's work their true exposure has been quelled thus far. My mum however is an atheist, but strange how her maternal instincts kicked in, because she sensed a danger like never before to her only child. I had at least two other experiences with things that weren't from this plane or frequency. These ones I actually saw. When I was 10 years old in the fourth grade, I had a horrible encounter of paranormal proportions. I was not on any meds of any kind or any drugs. I was a little kid, and at 3 a.m. the devil came to me. He woke me by levitating as a big black cat outside my window, and even though I was sound asleep, he made me aware of his presence. He appeared through my window into my bedroom. I was terrified. This big black cat was lying on top of my chest, staring into my eyes, and even though I had them closed tight, he made me see his eyes right through my eyelids. I could not talk or scream. My older brother was sleeping in his bed in the same room, and was sleeping, and not aware of what was happening to me. The devil hurts you psychologically. He makes you see and hear things. He made the bodies of the dead float around my room. I saw pain and misery, and when I saw him, the devil, in his own form, he was dancing on the stove in our kitchen, with the fire on high. My bedroom was right next to the kitchen. I was shown all this horrible stuff, and at that very minute, before I saw the devil on the stove, I was able to scream, God help me. My brother heard me, flicked the lights on and everything disappeared. When I ran out into the kitchen, the devil was laughing on the stove, then vanished. I told my parents everything. We were Roman Catholic. We had our house exercised and blessed by the church and our own family priest. I talked to my family priest to please ask God to heal my mind, and to heal me from those horrific aberrations that transpired in my bedroom when I was 10. After a few months, I was able to sleep back in my own bed. I slept with my parents for months, as I was scared that it would happen to me again, but it never did. Thank you Lord, I know you are there. I have seen the other one, the mean nasty red one with horns. He is evil and pissed off. Other than my immediate family, I only told my best friend from the fourth grade and my priest. He asked me 30 years later remember the cat in your room. I sure the heck do. The most important thing I learned from having that experience was, the devil wants people to think he is not real. Let me tell you. He is real and terrifying. I grew up in a little town called South Plainfield, New Jersey. Now, what I saw is kind of hard to describe so I will do my best. So, I was in my house in Modesta, California. It was late one night, and I got up to get some water. I heard this weird noise and brushed it off as it might have been a car driving by. However as time went on, I had this weird unshakable urge to go outside with my flashlight. I'd say about 20 minutes at least I waited outside while looking at a magazine. I had nothing better to do, so I sat outside on the deck for maybe 10 more minutes. 
I heard this noise. I got scared and jumped. I didn't see it right away, but when I did I almost soiled myself. I proceeded to shine my flashlight all around. What I saw was burnt orange in color, its ribs were showing, but it also looked very bloated. It had nubs where its arms would be. It had long skinny legs. Now the next part I will never get out of my head. What I thought to be teeth at first glance turned out to be several long single strands of white hair sticking out from its mouth. Inside its mouth was a very pale purple color, no tongue, no teeth, just looked hollow, its mouth was big and wide. It had its mouth open the whole time. It also looked like it had no saliva. It did not make any noise. It had some kind of goiter on its neck. I forgot to add it had lighter speckles throughout its whole body, and on the back of its head was a big black patch with a few small white dots. Now before you think anything I don't drink, and I don't do drugs. I wasn't that tired when I saw this thing. I'm still confused to this day. I just stared at it for a few quick seconds as it approached me. I was too scared to move, and then it ran off when I got up from where I was sitting. Ironically, it ran so fast like it was scared of me. What type of entity is he? I will not go into too much details since the entity watches me, knows my thoughts, and is around me almost all the time. I don't think this man is evil or anything like that, but very possessive. I don't need help to know if he's real or not. I've already figured out he is after dealing with him since I was 5 years old. I just want to know if there's a way to figure out how powerful a being can be. Has anyone dealt with something like this, and did you know if they were dangerous or could do a lot of damage? He doesn't want to hurt me, so I'm not worried about that. But I also have a knowledge that even when my body dies I won't be able to leave him. He gets mad when I think of him as a demon, or a god, or an angel like a negative pressure in my head. But if I think of him as a soulmate, then he's happy a relaxing tingling chill runs down my body. He doesn't say things directly, I have to use the pressure or tingles method to figure it out. Even typing this much information is making me feel ill. This whole thing is embarrassing to admit, I haven't told a single person in my life about this. I thought this was in my head, but it's not. Does anyone have experience with something like this? Is there different levels of entities or beings? Or is it just another soul, like the same one humans have? Could he actually be my soulmate from my past lives, and he just didn't incarnate with me this life? I am a 32-year-old female, and a virgin, I've wanted to be in a relationship, and I've had a good chunk of men throughout the years show interest in me, I'm not super attractive, but average looking, but it's never gone anywhere, like every event in my life was designed to keep me isolated. I'm allowed to fantasize about fictional men who look like him, but that is the farthest I am allowed to go. Can an entity do that? Can a human soul do that? 